I bet many men have slid into your DMs, you know. <laughs> uh, my lips are sealed. Thank you very much. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Who Gives a Flux, a Doctor Who podcast. My name is Mike and here is part two of my conversation with Joe, who has had the very difficult task to choose an honourable mention story, a dud episode and a stud episode for each of the new Who Doctors. In part one, Joe chose episodes for the 9th, 10th and 11th Doctors, as well as his top Doctor Who studs, which is just fabulous. And here is part two where Joe and I continue our chat, jumping on in to the Peter Capaldi era. Well, shall we move on to number 12? Yeah. Mr. Capaldi's time. I think Peter Capaldi is probably the strongest actor to have ever played the Doctor. And I also think he's the actor that was saddled with some of the trickiest writing. Um, And so I Mm. don't think he's the strongest Doctor, but he's certainly Mm. the strongest actor. Yeah, he, he. Yeah, I know what you mean. It 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 takes a while to find its feet, doesn't it? This era, and I think it alienated a lot of people. I think you and I have talked about this before. How like when it was actually live on TV, I was watching this time out of routine. It wasn't because I was loving the episodes mm-hmm. or the characters. I was just watching it. It sort of it was a big change. I wasn't sure what what I wanted from my Doctor Who at this point. I wasn't sure it was it. Um, but I have rewatched this era a lot since, and I have just completely fallen for it. And Capaldi is just—he's up there for me. He is up there. He's one of my favorite doctors now. Well, I tell you, like um, with Matt Smith, yeah, he's a really fun, likable doctor that does really appalling things, and I find that a bit awkward. With Capaldi, yeah. He's just an arsehole and he tells everyone he's an arsehole and he behaves like an arsehole. And I'm like, no, I can get on board with this. You're very upfront. <laughs> that bitten into the Dalek where he goes, here, you want to talk with that guy? He's that top layer over there. He's just, oh, like, yeah. You know, and yeah, I'm like, yeah. yeah, you know, he's and I, controversially, my favorite season of Capaldi is Series Eight. Um, and I think my least favorite season of Capaldi. Can you can you say it for me? Capaldi, thank you. Capaldi. <laughs> it might be series ten. Really? Yeah, and I'll tell you for why when we talk about the the dud. Okay, okay. Well, then, what stories then made it as your honourable mentions? Oh boy, Mummy on the Orient Express. Mm-hmm. I actually think Into the Dalek has really grown on me, and I think that is a brilliant second episode for Capaldi. Um, Agreed. I love it. Heaven Sent obviously is excellent, um, but it's never one I go. I want to go back to because it's just a bit dreary and <laughs> a bit serious. And I like to have a bit of fun with. You know, I watch Horns of Nymon more than I watch Heaven Sent because I just want to laugh a bit and have some fun. You want to have a Yes, yeah. It's not. It's not exactly comfort. Who is it? No, but I. I recognise it's exceptional television. Yes, and and in terms of sort of a crafted piece of television, it's probably the zenith of what Doctor Who's achieved like, in terms of like, direction. It is, yes. it is stunning. Um, right. And I, there are certainly some bangers in Series 10 as well. Well Enough Time, The Doctor Falls, is yeah. should have been Capaldi's last episode. <laughs> oh, 100%. And I think Thin Ice is really underrated as well. I really like Thin Ice. 
Yeah, same. Love the nice. Mm, good. There's like some good choice. To... Not not what nothing from series nine. Oh, Interesting. Like, series nine is a bit tricky, isn't it? Because it really does swing the two ways. Like, I quite like um, the girl who died, but I really hate the woman who lived. I quite like the first part of um, the one under the water, but I really yeah. hate the second part of that. Oh, okay. I quite they like weren't... Um, the second part of the Dalek two-parter, but I really hate the first part. So I sort of, I'm like a pendulum in that scene. Yeah, you're swinging back and yeah. forth. Wow. I mean, I love yeah. Heaven Sent, and I think Hell Bent is an abomination. So, like, mm. it's a really, it's a tricky year for me. It, I think it was a tr it, tricky year in general, but mm -hmm. that was very, very interesting. Mm. So, in, in that case, then, what, what, What's the episode that is the least liked for you then from the Capaldi era? I think series 10's The Lie of the Land is my least favourite Capaldi episode. Okay, so this is The Monks. Mm -hmm. Is this the middle one? It's the last one. It's, it's the, the last one. one. Oh, okay, okay. So why... What, what what I oh, I think I know why. Okay, but you can you have to tell me why. Well, it just don't work, does it? It doesn't work <laughs> in the episode. It don't work as the um, climax to that three part story. We learn nothing at all about the monks. We get a horrendous love conquers all ending for the nine hundredth time. It has that appalling. It's the worst scene of where the doctor convinces Bill to shoot him, and then yeah, that's right. Face thinking. about it. Like, how did we ever get there? I don't know how we got there. It's not great. You know, the, the problem is I have with this is that monk trilogy is like a stone that weighs down the middle of that season. And I think you've got a really good first five or six episodes and we're on a roll again. And we've got a lovely companion in Bill, great support in Nardole. We're telling some fun stories again. You know, we're having some fun with Doctor Who. And then that hits and all momentum is lost in that season. And then you're saddled with Empress of Mars, um, the Roman episode. Yeah. And the, the whole season is just, it's just gone completely awry. But the worst episode is this. It, it is just a mess. It's not satisfying. It's not fun to watch. And, you know, this is, this is like the linchpin of the season. It's a three-parter in this season. And it it just doesn't work at all. It's not very memorable, is it? Mm. And you know, a lot of people say series ten is the best. Actually, if you go back and sort of look at all the episodes, maybe half the episodes are pretty good to great, and half the episodes. I think I think there's a there's a a freshness in the air about series ten, and it's one people yes. go back and go, yeah, this is this is fresh, and this Doctor Who's great again. But actually, you sort of study the episodes, and there is a yeah, it's a bit drafty. It's a bit drafty. I I do know what you mean, especially with the momentum with those monks. Um, because extremists is quite interesting. The idea that we're seeing the the um not hallucination. That's not what it is, is it? The simulation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, you know, I think extremists is fabulous. I think, and that's yeah, and that's quite interesting. I don't really like the pyramid at the end of the world, the second part. Boring. I struggle with that. Nothing happens, and it's just sort of. Oh, it could have been a few well, scenes as part like of extremists. Choice, isn't she? I'm going to sell out the entire planet so the Doctor gets his sight back. Yeah, this is very strange. It's very strange. Yeah, and we've got to remember, this is the season as well that where Stephen Moffat chose to blow a hole in the companion's mm -hmm. chest. I mean, 
was he having a bad time? I think he was, though, wasn't he? Yeah, I think I... he lost a pair in that year. And and I yeah. think he was actually, there's talk that he was rewriting The Lie of the Land in the hospital. Oh, flipping it. Yeah, so, so there are probably reasons why this goes awry. But yeah. yeah, like I, I always go with a lot of promise because extremist is really good, and it yes. just, it's the law of diminishing returns with that trilogy. Sure, it would have been quite interesting mm. if extremists had happened as part of the series run, and then we never saw the other two parts because we know the Doctor would have saved the day because now he has the information. Oh, that would have been lovely, Mike. Wouldn't we? Could have done something more fun instead. Exactly, we wouldn't have needed those two episodes because they wouldn't have <laughs> to gain from them. I get um, what you're saying. Spent a lot of time and money making those episodes instead. Yeah. Mm, interesting. But and I get where you're coming from. Mm, fair. Um, so, in terms of then, well, give us your studly man first. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, it's going to be Anselin from Battlefield, isn't it? Of, of course, it is. Oh, come on, he's pretty, isn't he? He is actually pretty. Mm. He, he is. I, 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 there's a certain actor, character, I'm waiting to see if they appear in your list. And so far, I'm surprised that he hasn't. Oh, really? And there's only one era I... left to go, so I'm very like, oh, I'm, I'm on the edge here of what you're going to choose. So this is interesting. You know, there was, um, there was an episode of Jonathan Creek, you know, where Marcus Gilbert, who plays Anselin, is playing a, yeah. a naturalist. And there's a fabulous oh. scene where Maddie McGinnon goes around his house and he's covering up all of his bits with pots of tea and things like this. Oh, boy. That's my favourite <laughs> episode of Jonathan Creek, you know. <laughs> it's the only episode I own. <laughs> the tracking's gone on the VHS, I'll tell you. Oh, you know, that's hilarious. That's absolutely hilarious. Well, then what... How did you come to the, the decision then for your stud story of the 12th Doctor? Well, I could have gone with the big hitters. I could have gone with World After Time and the Doctor Four. Yeah. I think it's it basically Moffat's magnum opus. Everything he does well, brilliantly directed, climactic, great Simon, great master. It's dramatic. It's excellent. And I could have gone with Heaven Sent as well. But I actually went for something a lot quieter, and that's Flatline. I had a feeling you were going to go there. I don't know why. I had a sense, a sixth sense. Tell me why. It single-handedly redeemed Doctor Who for me, Flatline. Like, I was so unconvinced by Doctor Who at this point. And I can remember, I didn't watch it on the night. I think I was out pissed that night. I don't know what was going on. But I do remember I watched it on an iPad in bed, having my feet massaged the next day. And, um, sorry, that's a bizarre detail. <laughs> uh, that might have something to do with the experience. No, no. And I remember there, I watched the first five minutes and I sat upright because it was the most innovative, experimental and exciting Doctor Who had been for years for me. I mean, it's such a, a weird story um, with crazy concepts. Um, and f- like suddenly the Doctor Clara dynamic was clicking into place. You know, this grumpy doctor's really funny. The, the stuff with the small TARDIS is just hilarious oh, with his hands brilliant. now. Yeah, fantastic. And it's just one, like, each, as the story progresses, it's one really exciting idea after another. The 2Ds, you know, the, <laughs> to make something 2D. Um, and I was just like, Doctor Who has not been as smart as this for ages. And... You know, we were almost on a bit of a roll then. I know we had um, 
mummy beforehand and then we had dark water which was really bleak but really interesting you know last christmas which i absolutely adored so suddenly the show was sort of knocking out belters again in a way that i felt as if it hadn't for a while yeah i just i just thought it was visually really interesting really scary as well gives capaldi that hero moment at the end where he comes out the tardis and says love that i'm the doctor and yeah love that it, it, it takes a companion that i generally don't like puts her front and center as the doctor effectively and she just runs with it jenna coleman is brilliant in that episode well, funny enough, because I was about to say to you, as a as a non-Clara fan, for you to to have chosen this story, that's in, really interesting. Well, weirdly enough, you know, I think Jenna Coleman might be the strongest actress to play a companion. But like Capaldi, she's saddled with so much terrible writing that sometimes that doesn't shine through. But you give her a good role, and she's brilliant. Like she's brilliant she in Last Christmas. Yeah. I think she's um she's brilliant in Face the Raven. Yeah. But yeah, this this was this was like a like a, a a bolt out of nowhere, like a bolt of electricity hitting Doctor Who and lighting it up again in a in a really vivid way. I think it's I still think it's one of the best new series episodes. I actually agree with you. I think it's fantastic. I really do. And I think it's fascinating as well because it's a it's a double banked one, isn't it? And um it doesn't feel like a double banked episode. No, you feel like the characters are in there equally, but they're not. It's very, very cleverly done. Um, I don't know if you follow the writer on Twitter of this episode, um, but he has recently released the original first draft of this script for everyone to read. Oh, wow! And his first draft as well of the of the Mummy on the Orient Express. Um, and apparently, I haven't got to them yet, but apparently, they're a lot darker and scarier than what ended up on screen. Actually, so I, I met Jamie Matheson at a convention. Oh, cool. He came to a small convention in, in Brighton that I went to, and he gave a talk. And he said that he had so much more character work in the first draft of Flatline. But because it's 45 minutes long, it's the character stuff that's always the first to go. And there was some stuff yeah. that was really sad to lose. In a way, I don't think it affects Flatline because it's concept heavy rather yes. than character heavy. Um, but yeah, I'll give that a read. I bet that's really interesting. Yeah, same. I've I've bookmarked them on Twitter. I really, really want to read them and see how, what changed because the whole the whole process of making the show is just as fascinating to me as the show actually is itself. Well, I might mm. sound a bit of a grump about the Capaldi era there, but I do genuinely prefer it to the Matt Smith era. I think um, it is a lot darker, and I don't just mean the tone. I mean sort of visually, it's a lot darker as well. Yeah. Um, and I just think Capaldi is such a strong actor. You give him moments like at the end of um, Zygon Invasion and mm-hmm. things like that and Heaven Sent. Like, he just blows your socks off. You know, that that story about him, um, and I, I kind of know it's true. So basically, they weren't going to do Series 10, were they? Um, they were just going to write out Peter Capaldi and um, bring in a new Doctor. He wasn't even going to get a regeneration scene. Husbands of River Song was going to be his last episode. Cause Wait, the, I don't know this. What? Yeah, this the BBC real. were <gasps> utterly, utterly unconvinced about him and this era, and because the ratings were taking a dive sort of on the night, yeah? Okay, okay. Um, and it's only the fact that Chibbers was doing Broadchurch and couldn't come to Doctor Who that Moffitt had to write Series 10 
Otherwise, we would have had a couple of years without Doctor Who. So in a contractual bind, had to do Series 10 because he had a contract that said he had to do three years if they wanted to do it. But they were just going to cut him loose. So if you hear Capaldi being a bit snippy in interviews now, it's because all this happened behind the scenes. And, yeah, I'd be pissed as well. Of course you would. Flipping heck. And he's, he's, he's like, how dare they? What a fantastic actor. The fact that he deemed to give the show his attention is a, yeah. a miracle. And we we're very lucky to have him. Very lucky. And you know, when he is making that speech to Missy and the Master at the end of uh, The Doctor Falls, mm. I always get this sort of feeling in my gut. It's right in there, and I'm just like, I don't want you to go. Yeah. We've got to this point now. I don't want you to go. I love you as the Doctor, and you are immense, and I, I'm not ready for this moment to happen, even though you know it's going to happen. It's it's heartbreaking. Um, but then, of course, that marvellous speech in the TARDIS where he's talking to the next incarnation, saying that we're going to get it right this time. This is what you're going to be. And then out pops Jodie Whittaker. Uh-oh. Now you are talking. Now then, so what episodes, pray tell, have made it to your honourable mentions for the 13th Doctor? I think this is a really consistent era. Yeah, so, I, think, I think this is a consistently good era with lots of great episodes and the occasional dud. But, I, it, you know, I don't know what's wrong with people. Like, I could name a woman who fell to earth, Rosa. Um, it takes you away, Spyfall, Fugitive of the Jadoon, the entire Flux season, Power of the Doctor. Like it, it's it's a bloody strong era. This Doctor Who, it really is. Who's never been quite like this before? It's never looked like this before. It looks incredible. Um, yeah. But it just has never been spearheaded by such a ball of bloody sunshine as Jodie Whittaker. Honestly, yeah. during the pandemic, to see her every week, like lighting up my television screen. Oh boy, she was incredible. She really was. She really was. It still, still kind of fascinates me that people just didn't get it. I know we're all different. I know we all have different tastes, but the joy. That's on the screen and in in in, in her in her performance. I, I don't I don't know why that isn't as infectious in everybody as it was for me. No, and you know I don't. Of course, I don't object to people not liking this era. I don't object to people not liking. Of course, What I object to is people telling me I shouldn't enjoy this era, or yes. how can you possibly enjoy this era? As if they are winning by not enjoying it. No, no, no. I'm the one who's winning it because I'm loving it, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I remember saying to you when we did our commentary on The Woman Who Fell to Earth, which was mm. which was my first podcast. Oh my that was the God. first one I ever did. I know. And look at yeah. me now. I knew I'd um, share it at some point. See, you did, you did. Um, I remember saying to you that, like, um, I, I think that it was really exciting to come on to the podcast and talk about this era in a positive light, considering all the negative reactions that were circling online. Mm. And and to say to you, the woman who fell to earth, it's like, it's one of my favourite episodes. And I, I, I couldn't, I think in admitting it to you on the podcast, it kind of 
allowed me to let myself love it no matter what anybody else thought. Does that make sense? That's correct. Not that I. What's sad is that you you couldn't do that beforehand and jump. This is this is what the interesting thing was. I think I knew I was enjoying it. And I knew I liked it, and I was saying to you how I know I love Georgia Whitaker and her era because I'm loving it as it's happening. And a lot of the other times with other doctors, I've had to kind of learn to love them, and I enjoy the era in retrospect and and without the expectation of week on week of what's going to happen and being disappointed or being bored or not being bothered either way. Um, so I knew I was enjoying it but it, it was almost like coming out <laughs> again <laughs> um, it was like in saying to you that I love this era it kind of allowed me to then it to flourish does that make sense it does yeah well do you know what I'll do now is I'll just go you know fuck those people that are going to look down on people that are enjoying something I'm going to put on an episode of Doctor Who that's funny and clever and dramatic and wonderful and just enjoy it you know and just enjoy it yeah definitely however I do definitely. have a dance so yeah, me... so what so what is your dud then? Well, I can imagine a lot of people probably chose this. I don't know. In fact, I'll be really interested to hear what I need to I'm gonna do your backlog, you know, because I want to hear what people are saying for their duds for this era. <laughs> yeah. Um my dud is predictably the Battle of Ranskor Avkolos. Okay. Why? Because I think it is an underwhelming end to the season. It's a first draft. Chibbers admits he only, he was so out of time that he could only do a single draft on it. And even he was massively disappointed with it. So I think if he'd had been able to give it another run or two, it would have been a lot better than it was. Um, it's that sort of uh, very straight science fiction angle that Doctor Who does without any humour. Um, yeah. And so it's boring the one thing doctor who should never be is boring you know it somehow manages to take the elements of the pirate planet which is you know planets reduced down to orbs of light and make that really boring and you'd think that would be impossible i mean it's even got yon fella from um, that lovely woman from downton abbey in it hasn't it yes and she's boring (laughs) (laughs) yeah so and I don't consider it the end of the season. I consider resolution to be the end of the season one, because it's called resolution and two, yes. because it pays off all the character arcs. You've got Ryan and his dad meeting, and that's been threaded through that season. Um, and it's just a wham, bam, fabulous Dalek story as well. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think you and I have touched on this before, but um, I recently did, went on to a podcast, the 50% Doctor Who podcast with Aiden and Connor in Australia, and we spoke about It Takes You Away. Oh, and, marvelous. Yes, and what's interesting about It Takes You Away is that um, the more that I've thought about it and watched it and revisited, the more I think that it would have been a fantastic season finale, a really brave character piece that has a lot of payoffs, actually, when you look at it. I want to direct you to my commentary of that episode, you know, because that's exactly what Dylan Reese said when we were watching it. Is it? Oh, fascinating. (laughs) Okay. This sort of weird experimental episode where the conclusion of the season is character conclusions, where he says granddad at the end and that. Yeah. And saying goodbye to Grace and all that. Yeah. It would have been so much better. And I, yeah, you're both right. It it would have. I just think that that there are there are a couple of issues with it as an episode but but uh, with the addition of a few moments maybe for Yaz to shine a bit more in that story i think all the characters would have had a payoff 
and it would have been a fantastic way to go out and then, ha then treat resolution as a special rather than how you and I treat resolution as the season finale. I certainly hope your problem with that episode is not the frog. No, love the frog. Oh, Absolutely have no problem with the frog. And the way she, um, she blows it a kiss. Oh, oh it's it. beautiful. It's really a, a really moving episode. And I I think that if people don't get it, they need to go back and watch it again and really give it a chance because it's a fantastic story. I love it. But I completely understand why Ranscore of Colos didn't make it to I your... Mean, it's um, even got list. a dreadful sort of Star Trek title, isn't it? You know, it really does. It really does. And and a lot of the ideas in it are really good. And I I liked Tim Shaw, so I quite liked seeing him again. Um but the rest of it is just techno babble nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's just dull. You know? Yeah. It's like underworld dull. And that's pretty dull. So what how how did you go about coming to your stud then? But before you tell me that the the handsome stud, how did you go about coming to the story stud? Uh, th this was quite tough again because there's so much I like, and you know, like I was desperate to choose Power of the Doctor just because <laughs> I just love every scene, um, yeah. or something from the Flux because I think that is such a strong, condensed season of Doctor Who, uh, the like of which, I mean, talk about ambitious. That's how you do it, Moffat. Those six yeah. episodes, that's how you do, you should have done series six. Um, yeah. But I, I basically chose the one that had the biggest impact on me when I first watched it. Interesting. Okay. Well, before you tell me what it is, tell me who your studly man is. Okay. My last studly man then for this episode is Jason Connery from Vengeance on Varos with his lovely oily chest out at the beginning. I mean, who doesn't love an oily chest? <laughs> I, I can tell from your tone, though, this is not the fellow you were expecting to hear. It wasn't. I cannot believe you haven't chosen Sasha Duan. Oh, my God. What's wrong with me? Oh, I cannot Jesus. believe it. Oh, no. Hang on a minute. I would have been the second person who dressed up as a Nazi, you know, that I'd have had on this list. People, <laughs> True. People would think I've got a problem. <laughs> Fascist dictator. Oh, man, listen, we do not, listen, we do not sex shame on who gives a flux, okay? You fancy who you fancy. <laughs> oh, he's like a bad boy as well, isn't he, Dewan? I love Actually, him. Actually, John Dahl's very boring. Actually, no, we'll go with Dewan, all right? Oh, I've twisted your arm. Yeah. Oh, you know, when he's when he's sort of um, uh, poly uh, polygamous, not polygamous. What am I saying? Where you know, are you when, gone? When, he, when he's got Jodie's costume on and he's and he's oh, yes, doing the yes. bending thing, man, he yes. looks even hotter in those scenes. I feel like he can wear anything. I know he's, he's got a bit of a, a look. yeah. I thought that's right. I went, that's why I was surprised he wasn't on your list. Mm. Well, he is now. Well, he is now. He made it right there at the end. He made it. Mm. And which story made it to the top of your list? Perhaps surprisingly, um, my stud for Jodie Whittaker's era is Demons of the Punjab. Oh, it's a marvellous episode. I adore the Hartnell historicals, and we're leaning into that in a big, big way. Like serious, um, frightening history again. Yeah. Scenes where the horses come along in slow motion at the end. I've really felt a palpable sense of danger for those characters. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful again. Uh, it highlights Jodie Whittaker at her best. The bit where she gives the wedding speech, 
I love I love the fact that she's there the night before the wedding um, having the henna tattoo done on her hand and things it's, it's it's stuff that only a female doctor could do you know is is yeah be involved in the, the the night before the wedding with all the girls yeah um I think the performance of oh good grief I can't remember the man's name now the performance of the main and uh protagonist uh the fellow who dies at the end he's terrific it's prem is it prem, prem that's it yeah he yes is yeah fantastic the bit where he goes out and confronts his brother oh. um it's proper sunday night drama being done yeah. on sunday for doctor who beautiful yeah. the sort of itv drama that you'd have with a massive budget i don't know where they filmed that but it looks gorgeous stunning um but yeah and for me personally as well i lost my mum that year and that is talking about sort of capturing souls of people that have died and remembering them in a really sort of powerful way and i burst into tears you know when his soul goes into the machine and 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 rises up with a beautiful you know i'd lost my mum. i was in a really emotional space and an episode that was saying that that sort of thing was going on it just really moved me um, it was it was completely different to anything we'd had in the new series before. Before we were doing those sort of celebrity historicals, weren't we? Sort of popcorn yes. history. This was yes. real history, you know, and it was dangerous and it was ugly. Anyways, I just thought it was fantastic. It 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 is fantastic. Uh, sometimes, sometimes when the show does the kind of wacky aliens who aren't actually the villain and they're doing a good thing and that humans are the other the villains some sometimes they overdo that but this felt like it was pitched just perfectly what well, the partition of india is something that we just don't talk about in england we don't no. teach our kids in school and i think it's no. we're a bit embarrassed if i'm honest of probably our, our old empire days when we went out and you know there's a few people that you know wish we were still there now i think terence dicks used to say you know oh remember the our old empire days somewhat tongue-in-cheek um, yes when we were off civilizing the world in inverted commas but um it manages to boil that really serious part of history and tell it through these few characters in a family in a way that's very relatable to the people watching yes that's really clever that's really clever writing and actually as well having having this parallel now so with father's day and yaz not doing what rose did Mm. just shows yaz's just as a as a as a better companion, she's selfless rather than selfish, isn't she? Yes, she is. <laughs> and she isn't is. her nan great as well? She's only into. Oh, I love her nan. Oh, I wanted more of her nan. I actually wanted more of Yaz's family, and in general, I think they would have been lovely to have seen a bit more of for the whole whole show. But what she we did see is fantastic. Like where she goes, and you're my favourite granddaughter. My nan used to do that as well. <laughs> Yeah, of course, of course. Um, I, funny enough, I've listened to a couple of um, podcasts about this episode mm. and how and some people get a bit too, I think, uh, pernickety with the fact that why doesn't the grandmother realise that it was Yaz at the wedding? <laughs> like when it when she's older. And I'm like, because you wouldn't think that you, you see your daughter give birth to your granddaughter, you don't think that that daughter's going to travel in time. You just don't connect the dots. 
Well, you don't think it's a possibility. At the beginning of the episode, she wouldn't because that hasn't happened yet. They then go off and do it. Why well, it hasn't she... happened for Yaz. Yeah, well, it would have happened for her. her at the end. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess it would rather spoil the ending if she goes, Oh, you was there, wouldn't you? This is <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah, it wouldn't have worked like that. And I've, I've heard a few different oh. people say the same thing. And I think, No, no, you're missing the point. How can you take, yeah, such a gorgeous piece of drama like Demons of the Punjab and not enjoy it? due to a tiny plot detail like that. It's Isn't it fascinating? <laughs> it really is. But I remember, yeah, I remember when I first watched this and I was really, really moved by the episode. And Doctor Who doesn't do that to me too often. You know? I know. No. Uh, yeah, fantastic. And I, part of me sort of wishes that... You know the uh, the aliens. I can't remember what they're called. Yeah, Tajarians, I think. That's it. That. Those those Tajarians. I would have liked to have seen them, kind of behind Jodie Whittaker as she was regenerating, just there witnessing know. it. Yeah. Because it just just because she she was there and they had an impact on each other and it would have been quite nice. I know that she doesn't die. It's it's not quite a death, but it would have been a nice little kind of nod to this marvelous story. But as well, it like it it belies that thing that people say about Jodie Whittaker not being a powerful doctor. That scene in Rosa when she's on the bus and she realises she's got to stay there as a white woman and, and falls <laughs> her into that situation, the look on her face. And then the scene at the end of Punjab when she has to walk away as that man oh. is shot. It's yeah. really powerful stuff. And really, we're not really doing powerful. history like Let's Kill Hitler with River Song and a gun going off to a gay bar mister. That bullshit we're not doing that we're doing oh, proper God. history and proper drama oh it's so good what a good choice thank you very much a fantastic choice actually this is a fantastic list end of the world midnight vincent and the doctor flatline and demons of the punjab oh, that's hell of a list what a season of doctor who that would be that would be phenomenal good grief but like it's, oh. it's interesting to note there uh, there are as many sort of close second places as well i think um people that write off the new series are missing some of the best ever doctor who oh 100% i think i feel sorry for those people I, I do because the amount of like I said earlier, like the amount of joy that I've had watching the Chibnall and Whitaker era, mm. I, I kind of like as well that it exists as a capsule by itself with the same cast, the same composer, the same look, and it's it, it's going to exist forever in its own little bubble. And I feel like I hope that as we go forward, that people will look back at this era and actually realise how good it was. And, oh, it's, and it's already sharing that love. I've been listening to some yeah. podcasts lately as people that wrote it off have gone back and rewatched it and are really enjoying even episodes that they really hated and saying, God, there's some really good stuff in it. I think when it isn't Doctor Who now, the pressure's off and you can let yeah. yourself just enjoy what it is, you know? Yeah, I completely, completely agree with you. With that expectation taken away, mm. it, you're allowed to just enjoy it. You allow yourself to just enjoy it. And that is, that's, I can't wait for that time when everyone's like clamoring to see more Jodie Whittaker. And I'm like, yeah, I'm already there, bitch. <laughs> I want her back. <laughs> it's such a funny thing, isn't it? Because I completely agree with you. But just the, the saying 
allowing yourself to enjoy something it's so bizarre isn't it? <laughs> like... it it is bizarre it is bizarre but you can't help but be influenced by not just what's going on around you and if you are on twitter and things but like that expectation that we have of what a season of tv is meant to look and feel like and how how it the build up and the leading to a big epic finale and a massive payoff for this character or someone's leaving someone dies whatever then we move on and the story starts again that's just ingrained in us and it has been since 2005 and to be honest it's the reason why and i'm gonna say this joe hold on to something Season 11 is my favourite season of New Who. Wow. It is. It has made it to the top spot. And I only realised the other day, I was answering some quick-fire questions on that other podcast, and they asked me what my favourite season was, and I it just came out. And then they were like, wow, no one has ever said that before. And I was like, shit, I didn't realise that I thought that, but I do. I think the predictable answers are four and five, aren't they? Yeah. Like four, yeah, four, five, four five, five, five personal favorite yeah i love four. Oh my god i love four but for me 11 just hits really the spot unusual choice and fabulous mm. that somebody thinks that as well mm. so yeah well let's end on that really positive note then joe thank you so much for joining me tonight on this chat it has been an absolute pleasure as i knew it would be and i do hope that i can lure you back for some more chats in the in the foreseeable Oh, you can lure me back anytime. Yeah, look, can I um, can I pose a challenge to your listeners? Please, I'm all about this. <laughs> because what we were saying there about allowing yourself to enjoy something and being influenced by what other people are saying, yeah? Yeah. Watch the 60th anniversary specials. Do not go online afterwards and just sit with your own opinion of it for one day i think it would be a different experience than going online and just seeing what and and going with the flow because that tends to happen doesn't it of course everyone jumps on the bandwagon i've stopped doing it now i don't go online after doctor i just watch it and enjoy it or not and and just sit with what i think about it for for a whole day that is absolutely excellent advice I love that. Don't be a sheep. <laughs> don't be a sheep. And don't don't think about the woolly rebellion that's going to be coming. <laughs> but just don't be a sheep. Don't go with a crowd. Be like Mike and I. Exactly, Joe. Where can people find you online? Uh, oh, good grief. Um, well, my podcast, A Hamster with a Blunt Pen Knife, The Nine Will Be Praised, Untitled Star Trek Project, and Finish Big are all available on all of your usual podcast catchers. I've got a website called Docoho Reviews, and my Twitter handle is at Docoho, D-O-C-O-H-O. You did that so professionally. Thank you. I've played a few times, you know. I I, I absolutely love that. Um, Okay, so listeners, what did you think of Joe's choices this evening? Did he get lost down a very dark rabbit hole or did he hit a hole in one <laughs> see what i did there um, either way do you know what they're I gonna do? do you know what they're gonna what? do don't you they're all gonna start singing abigail's song at me from a christmas carol <laughs> that i i hope not I, I hope i really hope not for your sake but i would really like to hear what everyone says um you can find me on instagram and twitter at who flux pod and of course if you want to join me for a duds and studs chat you know what to do slide on into my dms <laughs> joe 
please say goodbye. I bet many men have slid into your DMs, you know. <laughs> uh, my lips are sealed. Thank you very much. But may I say, the, the title of your podcast, it flux, using that word, you've got so many double entendres in there. Um, yeah, that was the plan. <laughs> uh, you just asked me to say goodbye, didn't you? So goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode, and I will catch you on the next episode of Who Gives a Flux. Wow.